welcome back to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. For this one, Bryson and I sat down with Louis Eisenhut, and we are stoked to be sharing it with you. Most people know Louis as a creator on Instagram, YouTube, and probably from other social networks that Bryson and I are far too old for. And of course, we do get to hear about how he got started, what motivates him to continue creating new content, and how he tries to stay relevant in the ever-changing social media landscape. More importantly though, we also talk about how Louis is using his reach and experience in social media to achieve positive outcomes for the community, and it was interesting to hear how he is trying to help the sport and trail building projects progress in his home region around Interlaken. With thoughts under the helmet, Louis also launched a podcast early in the year, and naturally, as fellow podcasters existing in a similar niche, we have to ask about the experience so far and about his main takeaways from chats with guests like Danny McCaskill or Birgit Bless. For more information about this episode and the Skits and Giggles podcast, you can follow the links in the description. To support the podcast, please share this episode with your writing buddies or just leave us a five-star rating on your favorite platform. Right, with all of that out of the way, Let's now get to our chat with Louis Eisenhut. Hey, Louis. So I only recently heard about you through your podcast, which is on YouTube, um, Thoughts Under the Helmet. Uh, you had a guest. Um, it was speaking English, but it wasn't about mountain biking. Looking a little further into your profile and your secondary account, I realized, oh, he's a mountain biker. Hey, he's in Switzerland. Hey, what's going on here? So I had to sh- uh, fire you a quick message on IG. Welcome to the fold, and now welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much, guys. I would like to know a little more about your journey and yeah, what you love about mountain biking. All right. So my journey started back in 2010. My father took me with him on a mountain bike ride in Wallis. It was like I don't know, just a quick tour with one of his friends, and actually on my very first mountain bike ride, I crashed. Like I had a I don't know. I really did really didn't know what I would got myself in I got myself into he was just like come on come with me with my friends let's have a bike ride we went there and uh it was actually really fun like had the big crash on on the bike like I don't know, on, on that hiking trail and um but that was actually the start like Wallis 2010 me and my dad in Wallis and that was it and from there on like pretty much every single weekend we went on bike rides together um had a little crash but it was all good and that was actually the start my dad taking me on a bike right back then yeah that was it super wholesome yeah that's a good way to get in eh especially in an epic location did you start with a gopro or like how did you start uh doing like the media side like what's oh that was actually way later okay so oh okay it it was 2010 um started mountain biking and just me and my dad we went like every single weekend to like all the different bike parks in Switzerland. My dad got into like free ride or downhill mountain biking um, when he was around 40 and I was 10. So yeah, he started really late. Um, And then actually my first interest in um, mountain biking itself, like was not really going into media and all of that. I was more interested in like racing so in 2015, five years after I started, my dad um, applied or registered me for like a mountain bike, like camp for kids. 
and it was for um, kids learning how to race. So we were together in Belvald, Bike Park Belvald, just doing a little um, race preparation for the upcoming IXS Downhill Cup. And uh, we were together with some pros. We uh, learned how to like do line choices, how to actually race it down a track. Um, and that was actually the first time I realized, yo, you can like get money from mountain biking, you know, like there is a way, there is a way where you can actually just live from mountain biking. And back then the only option for me was just, you know, you go racing, you know? So I started mountain bike, like downhill racing a year later, um, did the whole like IXS Swiss downhill cup they had back then. And uh, that was actually it, me starting with racing. And then I raced for, I think, three or four years. And four years later, um, Corona, like COVID, COVID came and um, shut everything down. So no races anymore. And then I needed something else, you know. And I started posting um, those clips on Instagram with my friends. I was riding a lot with Sandro Schmid. I don't know if you guys know him. from yeah. yeah. Former guest. Yeah, so shout he's out. pretty much doing the same. Shout as, out, yeah. Yeah, shout out Sandro. And he's pretty much doing the same as I do right now. And he brought me into the whole social media stuff. So um, instead of racing, I started to post more and more on Instagram, you know. And that's how it started with social media, yeah. So we have a bit of a thing in common there. Because really? Skits and Giggles <laughs> is also born from Corona. Yeah. Well, yeah, mm. we, were a child, we were a child of the pandemic, um somehow we we stuck it out and we're still here yeah, yeah. Like three years later older <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but awesome exactly but um but what uh apart from your dad but what kind of uh inspired you when you were younger to to kind of really give mountain biking a go when i started with my dad me and my friends from school were just going on little bike rides after school um i grew up in wilderswil a small village um, next to Interlaken, uh, maybe some people know that it's a very touristy place. Um, we have some, we had some like hiking trails around our, our, um, like around Wilderswil. And, uh, that was actually just me and my friends. Also my dad back then, he lived with a, with a friend who mountain biked a lot as well. Um, my parents were divorced, divorced by that time already. So, um, or back then already. So he lived with his friend, uh, as roommates and, uh, that actually just was everything that inspired me. And then maybe two, three years later, I only got to know, or maybe two or three years later, I got to know all the like mountain bike pros. And I don't know, I discovered the whole world of mountain biking. But from the start on, it was actually just my friends and my family. Yeah. So very, uh, very analog in that sense, right? So not, uh, you know, not video, not YouTube, not anything. Nothing, it's no. just like grassroots the friends the shovel building jumps that kind of stuff or yeah definitely um yeah it was just me me and a friend going on like i had some friends in school who were also interested in mountain biking so yeah after school we just built some jumps on the in in like the in like the yard you know behind the house and everything and uh that's how it started. Like no, no influences from any pros or any YouTubers or anything. I got into all of that like two or three years later after actually. And how, so yeah, what, you know, that I think social media, um, starts kind of the same for everyone, right? So then all your friends start having it and 
you think you have funny things to post and you f- post that because you think someone is interested and and at some stage when you get a bit more serious then you know you you start creating content right yeah. in air quotes so how did that happen is it through also through sandra or did you was it always just for fun well as to that day it's still all fun you know like i never see it as like a real real business i, I love content creating I, w- I started doing it when i had like two three hundred followers on instagram and uh, also back then i like people were making fun of me because i was this like wannabe influencer and like took pictures of everything and posted everything and back then i already told everyone where i was like what i was doing like i was at this race and at this race and I went biking with my friends and just posted everything pretty much. And um, I don't know. I was just doing it because it was fun, not because I knew that it was going to be like, would make me big or anything. And then um, through, through Sandra, I saw that there's a possibility of becoming kind of like famous or like well known in the mountain bike scene through, through social media. And it gave me more motivation to do more, and better content for sure but um i would still do it if i would only have like two three hundred followers so yeah it's it's all fun till that day it's an interesting observation that uh you know kind of at the same time that the kind of the racing and that stuff that kept you in the sport you know pre-covid let's say is dying down a little bit or almost completely at the time and at the same time you have you know social media is is kind of picking up everyone has a lot of time on their hands they're you know doing like their home edits and small shred edits and this and that and uh so yeah was that uh kind of a how it happened for you so that we went from one to the other pretty much uh straight away or was there kind of a, a happy intermediate no it was actually it was actually that like people so covid came and all the races were canceled and just so many people spend their time on their phone you know like just scrolling all day long because you couldn't really do anything you know everything was closed um you could mountain bike like we were able to go in the woods and like have fun and we filmed everything so and i like me having so much fun doing all that content and just having my phone out 24 7 you know filming everything just uh kind of led me to being a an influencer if you want to say that you know i don't know just it, it got it was like hand in hand actually like people spending so much time on their phone back then because they just had to there was nothing else to do and uh me enjoying posting more and more you know so it was actually very lucky if i think about it now <laughs> was it like a moment of clarity you're like hang on a second everyone's on their phone right now so like what if i give them something to watch <laughs> uh, actually, i don't know I, I think i think um so back then i was i was really uh close with sandro so we just talked we were like hanging out pretty much every weekend we were riding a lot we also had like the same goals at this point you know because as i saw that like content creating was so much more fun for me than racing and i never really was a good racer i always was just like in the how do you say like middle field you know or in the middle of the field. Um, I, w- I never was like a top, top three, top five rider. Um, so I don't know. It was really cool for us to just post content. And and so what I wanted to say, sorry, I just, 
thought about something else right now. But um, what I wanted to say is me and Sandra, we were, we were hanging out one day and he was actually like, you know what? It's super good for us with our goals, what we have for social media. So many people are spending so much time on their phones and we're like, actually, yeah, like, like let's just post as much as we can because people are watching it, you know? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, got, I got hooked in the exact same way. Like that's pretty much the... The start for, uh, I, I, I guess, almost everybody in a way. Like they're just like, oh, let's just like post something cool and people mm -hmm. see it and you get likes. And I guess on one side, you can kind of get wrapped up in like how many people are following you, likes you, like the video or shared the video or whatever. And then, of course, there's the other side of like, I just want to do cooler things and post it because like I get cool feedback or it gives me something, right? Mm -hmm. So... When did all of that fit in with like late for work? Was that a couple like, oh. <laughs> a year later or like how, how, what's the lead up to late for work? We guys have like, oh, you know yeah. what it would be better if we did this. And then if we better be did this and like, hang on a second. Why don't we make, I have this crazy idea for a video shoot. Like what, what happened? So I was doing Instagram for pretty much the first. So 2020 was actually the year where I started with the whole social media software where I, where I started to grow. Um, and I only did like Instagram stuff. Um, and then as I grew, like brands were started to get interested in like what I did and came up to me. And I was like, you know, um, had my like my first ever clothing sponsor, Ian, um, in 2020 or by the end of 20 or was it 2021? Something like that. And um, I was like, OK, now I have to like step up the game and like what, what are other people doing? Like you can't just only be posting on Instagram all the time. Like, I mean, it's fun, but at, at the end, like you should do something more. But what's better, you know, and um, had a friend from Ildisville, the village I grew up in. He was really he's really talented in like videographing and editing and everything. Mm. He's actually filming for, I think, Red Bull right now. So he made his way as well. And uh, his name is Felipe. And I, yeah, just uh, messaged him being like, hey, yo, I want to do like an edit. Like I've never really done a proper like writing edit. We should do something. And he was down for it. So we came up with this idea for me being late for work. And that could like, I don't know, turn into like me being on the bike, just rushing to work or anything like that. And that was the whole start of uh, late for work. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just me. Um wanting to step up my game if you want to say like that yeah yeah i think it's a kind of a fantasy we might have all had at one point in our lives where we're like exactly you know either driving real fast or riding real fast or whatever late for work late for the bus i don't know so is that when you started going to youtube pretty much actually wait i'm really i have to think when i when i posted when was it late for work it was like in 2000 was 2021 i think um and before that, I didn't really post on, on YouTube. Um, I, I, my idea was to just release that edit with nothing really else in mind. And then Sandro also started, like he had a YouTube channel already and um, with a few, like quite a lot of followers for, for that time. Like he never really posted actively uh, at that time. Um, but then he started to post again and doing his vlogs. And he was like, yo, dude, you should start with YouTube because I mean also brands and like um just just it would just be more of a even just even just more entertainment for your for your followers for your community you know what more to watch at the end you know 
And what people forget, it's the second biggest search engine in the world. Is it? Oh, yeah. And the biggest university. It is. Wow. <laughs> yeah, probably the biggest <laughs> university. <laughs> so, yeah. Not many people may know, but I also have a YouTube channel. Oh. It's filled with random things and it's very, very poorly edited stuff. Like basically straight off my GoPro or like screenshots from a video game or something. It's like just totally, I almost do it like uh, just as an experiment. But, and I, I don't try to promote it or anything. And I get like one or two views. Like it's really, <laughs> it's in the ether. But the thing is like, so right now we're all content creators. I mean, we have to face that fact. I see a little bit of me in what you're saying because like when social media started i also thought like oh that'd be cool let's post this or like let's do this or like when i did something cool i'm like i gotta post that and like show people this cool stuff not necessarily like me but like what's going on it didn't really get a great reception (laughs) i never got viral you know like nothing (laughs) to be honest i didn't put like so much effort into it but i like made an effort to like post it and I don't know, a few friends liked it and stuff. Yeah, I talked about it with some people, but it wasn't really anything that took off. And then the same with with, uh, with with YouTube. It like never took off, and I didn't really get like a lot of motivation from it. But you have a completely different story. You know, your, yours actually had a traje- tra- trajectory. So what do you think I was missing? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I see a lot of kids, you know. <laughs> Funny, because I see a lot of kids like, Uh, posting on instagram like it's just growing like so many kids out there riding bikes like posting every every single day pretty much like there's so much content on instagram but so like little of it gets viral or like becomes a viral a viral like video or piece of content you know and i think at the end it's just especially with the algorithm right now it's just go for it and like be lucky in a way i feel like these Uh days you can't really there's not I mean, everyone's just talking about the algorithm, and I feel like if you really wanna wanna go viral and like wanna go that direction, you wanna you have to follow the algorithm in that way. And um, actually, that's it th- these days. I don't really know, like, because back then, I think for me, what really helped was COVID. So a lot of people just being on their phone. I feel like that's that that was a big part, and then just staying up to date you know like and then posting like frequently and uh, actually just having the people that follow you getting to like interact with you and like getting to be really interested in your life more and more you know like I'm someone who doesn't really uh, who, who does post a lot of his private stuff and like people who actually follow me and see my stories on Instagram every single day they really can see where I'm at like people can actually tell like what I did every single day throughout the whole year, because I'm just putting everything I do on my stories. And it's crazy how people really get to interact with you and like start to bond with you almost, you know? Mm. And um, I don't know. I think it's just a mixture of like being in the favor of the algorithm and also just staying interesting to, Mm. to the audience almost. Yeah. Or the, the community. Yeah. But that's the the kind of the crazy thing, right? Because there is obviously very, 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 very successful YouTubers that that you know fully and very transparently play on the algorithm and you know the user engagement and attention spans and you know the the entire design of the show is targeted to 
you know, increase engagement and keep people bound to the the video and and drive people to the channel and all that sort of stuff. So, are you looking at any of the the Mr. Beasts or the all the other big names that uh, that uh, are really, really, really successful on YouTube um, and, and kind of take stuff away from them for your videos? Um, well, maybe not Mr. Beast. That would be as rich as Mr. Mr. Beast. Mr. Little Beast. <laughs> no, well, um, it's just an extreme example, right? So, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's the Beast. I see, I see. <laughs> um, actually, I mean, there are a lot of big, big names on YouTube. Like, you know, if you see what Matt Jones is doing or Sam Pilgrim, um, Absolutely. when you put it in more of the mountain bike direction. Um, yeah, of course, like they're doing a great job with just staying interesting to the people. I mean, what, what Sam is doing on, uh, on YouTube is actually so different to every, to what every, everyone else is doing, you know? And that's what I meant with like staying interesting, you know, you just have to like keep changing up and yeah, staying relevant, you know? Um, so for sure I look up to them and I, um, get my motivation and my inspiration from them as well. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, not or non mountain bike inspirations? I do. (laughs) Um, actually one of my, one of my biggest uh, inspirations um, some people maybe hate me for saying that, but it's actually, you guys know the Paul brothers, Logan Paul, uh, Jake Paul. Not okay. Really. Yeah. I heard about them. Like they're doing they're very scamming and yeah, yeah. Very controversial, but I always okay. look at it from like an entertainment and uh, perspective. Yeah. Like at the end, what? Cause actually, they were comedians first or something, right? Weren't yeah, they YouTubers they were like, first? Like short, like videos on Vine back, back in the days. And then right, right. Vine. Okay. That. But um, I don't know, for example, what they're doing is just, um, they're very controversial, but like for me, my goal on social media is to entertain people. And I want to have people to look at my stories or my posts or my YouTube videos or my edits and be like, wow, I was able to just shut off my brain for a few seconds or a few minutes and just take a break from my day-to-day life, you know? And um, I feel like what Jake and Logan Paul, for example, are doing is just um, they they are entertainers and all they do, even if it's controversial, it's entertaining at the end, you know. And for for if it, even if it's only for a second, you don't think about the like stressful day you had because you're just enjoying what they're doing or like are entertained by what they're doing, if it's good or bad, you know. So, um yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they're very good entertainers, uh, entertainers, mm-hmm. and that's why I why I look up to them. You know, yeah. And it's kind of the heart of the heart of it all, right? Like it's we're choosing to step away from what we're doing and and focus on the screen, flipping through or scanning yeah. through or scrolling, whatever, to to distract us. Like we're we're making that choice, and whether people feel like they're a slave to it or whatever, or it's like their ritual. I mean, they're mm-hmm. making the choice. It's that's clear. So yeah, of course you want to be entertained, right? You want to try to distract yourself or doing something. It's all along those same lines. But for yeah. me, I yeah, I recognize that I'm still deciding whether I'm battle, battling that or not. You know, it's kind of a conflict internally for me, but I still do it. Like it's um, I don't know. You maybe it's just the modern day life. I don't know. What's what? How do you feel about that? 
you think it's good that we do this or like that we shut off that we that we just want to be entertained or what yeah like that we just like decide to like flip our phone open and be like okay i gotta watch this for a second i think it's good man i, I mean you know we all have our like packages to carry you know like we all have something that might be maybe stresses us out in, in our day-to-day life or like mm. or maybe it's just a phase you know we all go through like good and bad phases and I mean, there are bad phases in everyone's life. And if you just can't like shut your brain off, that is thinking about that one stupid little thing that is bothering you right now for only a second, it's awesome. You know, it's just a relief in a way for sure. Like you shouldn't use all those entertainment platforms to just completely shut off. Like, I mean, you could be almost living out of watching Netflix series all day long and just never <laughs> think about your, your, your problems in real life. But that's not what, you should do but um maybe just do it um for like half an hour a day and it's gonna be a little bit of a relief you know and that's what i what i think is is the good thing about entertainment and all of that you know yeah mm-hmm. i mean people have been seeking entertainment since the you know the roman empire you know like since since the dawn of time i guess from when people realized that that's a thing so having it in the palm of your hand in your pocket is how different is that than you taking a large portion of your time after work to go to a bar or to go to a, a comedy club or something, you know, it's, we're all doing it one way or another, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the whole, um, like social media takes up a lot of time. I mean, I guess we all know it like uh, opening TikTok or watching reels and maybe you, you think you just want to do it for like five minutes and then you're spent I don't know, two hours scrolling on, <laughs> on, on TikTok. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> You're looking I'm at clear. cats um, <laughs> rolling on their back. That's the negative part about all of it, you know? Like, um, the rabbit hole. Yeah. I want to jump back. Um, you mentioned the word viral. I can't think of the last time I saw a viral video. Has the, has the viral video age died? Is it been replaced by the algorithm? Like, what do you think about that? What, what's the last viral video you saw? Let's what say, is what, like okay that. i want to know what is the what is what do you mean on, with viral like what is like, your understanding of what viral okay so viral video is like it can be any video and all of a sudden it just like from one point to another it blows up and it's like people are reposting or retweeting it it's on like the da- daily mail uk page it's on you know pink bike um what do they call that slacker feed and like you know it just goes everywhere all of a sudden like suddenly that's what um, I my definition okay. of viral is, right? I've, I mean, for me, every every single video that is that is on the for you page with like I don't know a million likes is viral. No, like oh. if, you, if, you, if so many people are watching it that are not following you, I mean, if I if I put out a video and I have I don't know, let's say ten k followers, and then ten k people see it, and all of those people are my followers then this video didn't go viral but if i have right. 10k followers and 2 million people see the video this is a video that went viral so it's about who who is like watching your videos and how many people and how many of those people are actually people that already followed you and already you know, know you you know um, but if you have like a front page that has several viral videos back to back it doesn't really make one like the vi- you know like the viral king anymore because oh. like because like viral <laughs> used to be like this video. is the one that exploded and nobody else is don't even think about them anymore you only think about this one video i don't know if it's if it's for one day or one week or whatever but it was like the king yeah. right and then all of a sudden everything else fell to the side 
But now it's just like you have several virals beside each other. Yeah. So like, how do you know what's like the viral one? <laughs> the most viral. There's just, viral there's just, there's just so many viruses. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe okay. I, I see. Uh, maybe you know that from TikTok as well, or. I feel like TikTok is a really good example because they're. We're too old for TikTok. <laughs> no, you guys what is TikTok? TikTok? Come on. <laughs> Actually, I never had TikTok, but please tell yeah. us your example. Okay, well, we can go to Instagram as well because with the whole real stuff, it just gets, it, it becomes TikTok to a point, you know. Um, but okay, when I go on TikTok, I, I think I can consider myself as like the still in the age group of, I'm allowed to have TikTok, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> so when I go on TikTok, School us. I, let us know yeah, if it's please like. explain explain the internet. <laughs> explain, explain to me like I'm 38. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> but talk slowly. Um, <laughs> so when I go on TikTok and I see like three or four videos in a row with um, all have like one million likes, and then I see one video that has sixty k, like sixty thousand likes, I'm like is this video even viral? Like that means nothing to like all the videos uh, I've seen before that have has so many, so many likes. And when I had Danny McGaskill on my podcast, a few, few uh, months ago already, um, we talked about that because we were like, there's such an overload. On, I think there's such an overload on, um, on content on all those social media platforms that just having one video that blows up isn't really important anymore. There's so many other videos out there. There's so much content out there that it's just so it gets just so hard to stick out. And um, yeah, actually, you you're kind of right, Bryson. Like, if you, I mean, all those videos, if you watch them like separately and look at them separately, they're all viral. But if they just mix them in with all the thousands of other videos that are viral that day as well, it doesn't. It's not important anymore. You know. I have a conspiracy theory. There are like good videos, let's say for sure, mm. um, but perhaps like the app is lying to you and it's saying it's got a million or two or three million watches, but it doesn't. And they just line them up like this, but then it creates people to watch it. Huh? Do you think? I, I don't know uh, for what reason. You know, it's uh, it's a machine, so <laughs> maybe it doesn't have a reason. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, they could just put just, the number on the screen and just make you. You would believe it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're being entertained either way, so let me know. That's that. true. But do you guys also know that when you when you go on, 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 on your socials and then there's a video that has so many views and likes already and you're like, oh, this is a good video. And then you see another video that is maybe same, like equal as good, but it just has like 10 likes or something. You're just like, yeah, you know, it's just. Eh. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't look at the likes or the follows or anything like that that the video has. I have yeah. a hard enough time navigating the UI, <laughs> the user interface of uh, Instagram. I don't understand the difference between reels and stories. And when I scroll and all of a sudden like something automatically plays and like I can't get it off the screen, like I have to like keep scrolling, it's, it's kind of frustrating. <laughs> I have to close the app. <laughs> Because I don't understand. Like all of a sudden, it's like now I'm watching reels. Like I wasn't watching reels before. What? Why? So I don't know. <laughs> you were just on stories, and all of a sudden, there you go. That's how it happens when old dudes are are using the social the social internets. No, nah, come on, guys. <laughs> you're not that old. 
But the thing is, like, I also take <laughs> a little bit of, uh, you know, I am entertained by just watching the random things. Like, I don't look at what kind of numbers it has. Like, I'll just, like, if a video starts playing, I'm like, all right. And I'm like, eh, nah. And I'll swipe. And I'll be like, oh, another one. Okay. And I'm like, okay, it's pretty good. And I'll watch it all the way to the end. And then I'll watch the next one. I'm like, eh, swipe. And mm-hmm. to me, it seems like they're just random. I don't know if they're, like, all viral videos, like, stacked up ready for the next one. Or if they're just, like. Of course they are. You know? It doesn't seem like it. Sometimes it's like a dude, he's walking through the forest and he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, that was pointless. Like there was nothing. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to bring this back a little bit to the conversation about, about Louis and, and what he takes away from that. Right. Because at the end of the day, I get the feeling that you do spend a lot of time in understanding your craft of being a creator and, you know, playing the different platforms and staying relevant and all that sort of stuff. But how do you see yourself having, you know, sustainable success on these platforms when, you know, they could change in a second because they changed the algorithm or because someone decided whatever the app is not appropriate anymore or whatever it is. Right. So there's, there's a lot of things outside of your control with these platforms and, and how do you, you know, how do you prepare for that? And, and, you know, what are your takeaways from, from, from the journey so far? I I feel like it's getting harder and harder to just stay relevant because there's so much content on, on all those social platforms. Um, and my theory is, I don't know, maybe you could count that already as, no, it's not a conspiracy theory, but it's just my theory. I feel like uh, if we are already, you know, going that way. Now, um, I just think that Instagram is, will just blow up at one point because there's just an overload of content that all those servers can't handle it anymore. And it's just going to break at one point. I feel like, well, because you already see, I don't know, I have so many like, glitches and just weird things happening on my Instagram when I want to like edit longer videos, for example, or I want to upload a few photos at the same time. It's just, you can't handle it anymore. So um, staying relevant on only social media isn't important Um, at one point. Like it's good to bring yourself to a point of where people know you or get to know you because you have a few viral videos and, um, people can follow your day-to-day life with stories and everything, but to stay um, important and relevant, you should also go outside of all those social media platforms and like invest your time in like other other directions. Um, like I really, once I got to a point where people were recognizing me and I was like, wow, I can have an impact on like the community, for example. Um, I want to give something back. Like that's why also I started with teaching kids um why i do like teaching lessons i want to like teach the next generation how to ride a bike properly or uh why i um for example like i've been i'm working with uh the bike park tuners and uh, all the flying metal guys on building trails in my area in interlaken um and it's i think that's a good good way of staying important of course you're not going to grow anymore for that much because Maybe it's you more like in like regional areas. Like it's everything is more, it's, it's a little smaller when it's not on social media anymore, but it's, I think it, it, uh, it is still important.
to step out of this so whole social media bubble because it can just break from one second to the other, you know? Yeah. So that's what I try to do. I just try to like spread myself uh, to all different directions and stay relevant through that. Well, I have to give kudos where kudos are due do because obviously you have read my notes because that was one of my my questions <laughs> right is uh how how you use your let's say let's call it reach the generic term you know how you use that for, for positive outcomes in the community and of course the um you know i did some research of course your name pops up in in many different newspaper articles as the media person for um, an interest group or a media person for uh, an initiative um can you talk a little bit about uh, about those projects before we go back to another topic that is close to our heart? <laughs> of course, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've um, since ooh, I think it's all already three years now. Um, I'm part of um, the local bike club we have. We have in Interlaken, um, Bergvelo Bergvelo Club. It's called, <laughs> and um, the EG Bergvelo Club, and. Yeah, that that's I started as I'm still I'm actually like a secretary, like secretary, secretary there. Um and that's how I got into um this kind of um how do you say direction. Um so I started there just helping them with all their paperwork and then they came up to me being like, you know what, we actually have to uh, do something because the scene in Interlock and then in the Bernese overland is just kind of dying you know like i know people don't really want to visit us anymore in interlaken like for biking it's mountain bikers don't really feel welcomed and i was like well we really have to do something so i, I uh started this um petition and um just for to see how many people would be interested if there would be actual legal trails in interlaken and that's what actually got it going with the whole um yeah me investing my time also in that in that way and and then um, me wanting to make sure that there are trails in the future in my area on interlock for example for people to ride um so i did this peti petition we said <laughs> and um yeah it started to grow we had after i don't know a day or two we had like over 1000 like signatures or like people just saying that they would be uh they they, they liked the idea and then the um, newspapers, this local newspaper hit me up and was like, well, can we do an interview about that? Um, and then I slowly started to become the media person for the Bergvelo Club. And uh, as this whole thing went on, um, Sherom Hunziker, I don't know if you guys know him from, from Flying Metal. Yeah, he's Flying Metal guy. Yeah. yeah. Right, I don't know him, know him, but okay, I know yeah, his yeah. name. But um, he, he hit me up and he was like, wow, um, we saw the effort you're doing in Interlock and like, we would be interested if you could be a part of the bike park tuners as well. Like if people have any questions from the media side, could you help us as well? And could you also use your reach sometimes to help us out with, with different projects? And I was like, for sure, because it's really important to give, as I said, to give something back to the community. And uh, that's how it all started. Yeah. But um, but uh, what is the of course uh, now that we have someone from the Bernese Oberland talking to to us? I mean, of course we know a little bit about uh, the area in Tune, so the, the 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 different trails that are available there. But what is the um, the current status with um, being able to ride 
or having like this shared trail policy like we know from the Grisons? Is there something happening now in the Bernese Oberland? Um, with the whole change of, of, of the law, um, it's just... So what I know is whenever they build new hiking trails now, we have um, mountain bikers are allowed to ride on those trails as well, but it doesn't... Okay. It's not for the already existing trails. So every existing hiking trail there is right now, I think there is still the old ride for now that hikers have, like you can say their mountain bikers are not usually welcome. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah um, that sounds like a Swiss solution. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I feel like um, since we started with Barry Grillo Club and since I went to, um, since I was in the newspapers and I, I had like an interview in, in the local, um, on the local radio channel, um, people were really like it brought that whole that whole theme it brought it all, all up again because we tried a few years already uh, we, we, we tried a few times already um, in Interlaken to build some legal trails but it was always just like a big um, like all the mountain, the mountain bike scene all of a sudden like went to the newspaper and was like oh we need trails we need trails but never um, it never really happened like never never it was never something happening um, and now I started with with it again and brought it all up to the to the public and this time with bike park Tunerse that is nearby and with Sherom Hunziker doing such a like phenomenal job in in this area we have really good um, opportunity now to make it actually work now and um, it's we're getting there like we're 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 in contact with all the different Gemeinde. And we're in contact. We're talking about like getting our first legal trail in Interlaken, um, but it's all still in the works. So um, I shouldn't really tell too much about it because it's all still planning and not not nothing official. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we're talking, there, talking definitely future business. Is there a yeah. grand idea? Like, what are like the main wishes of all this? This we did have. We have to do a bracket here. We did have uh, Adi Greiner from Bikeplan as a guest, and obviously he is the man behind the master plan for the the whole area of the Tunisay, is my yeah. understanding. And uh, so, yeah, in, in as part of that master plan, I think some things should be happening eventually. Yeah, of course, because um, I think Interlaken Interlaken signed up to that. Yeah, so Interlaken is a part of the whole master plan, and. Uh, they started with the master plan five years ago. The goal was to just um, make this whole concept about um, making the Jungfrau region, so Interlaken and the valleys of Lauterbrunnen and Grindelwald, um, making it become a mountain bike area. Like, I mean, if we if we think big, like Portisole or something like that. So people really want to go there and spend their time there like a week full of mountain biking like they do with skiing already in the winter and that was the whole idea to make a concept about that with the master plan and now five years later this master plan actually exists already and now there are different work groups from different communities um, to make this whole concept work and to realize it so within the next 10 years we're working um, in those different work groups to uh, just realize this whole this whole concept and to make it work and become an actual thing. 
So between now and 10 years, there will be a lot of change in, in the whole region for sure. Yeah, we're, we're actually, the, the goal is to make it a really attractive place for, for mountain bikers because there were some studies already that has been made for, that have been made for, for the whole master plan thing. And they said that mountain biking is just, I mean, we all know it's growing and growing and, and it's becoming a, such a huge, huge sport in Switzerland and all around the world pretty much. Um, so we, yeah, and, and winters are getting shorter and shorter. So the, all the tourist areas actually have to invest in, in mountain biking. And I think the whole Jungfrau region and Bernese Oberland starts, started to realize that. Well, that is a perfect segue to our question from Grizzly, our former guest, who is asking a question for you, the next guest. And uh, he really wants to know, what is your dream bike park trail? So now that we have the master plan, you know, yeah. you have a blank canvas to build whichever trail you want. How does that trail look like? All right. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking about that question. Um, I saw it in your email. And for me, so I sometimes get some like hate for it from my friends. It's not really hate, but it's just like, yeah, why, why do you think that way? It's uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of flow trails. I have to admit, like uh, a lot of people think they're just boring, but I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I can be really creative on, on flowy, like easy, almost trails that you can just, I like just shutting my head off when I ride a trail. So when I, I don't really want to like think about, think a lot. I don't really want to think a lot about line choices or like, oh, where do I like, have to go so i don't get stuck in all those huge rocks that are in my way or something like that i mm -hmm. just want to flow and just play with my bike from top to bottom and um i've never been in whistler for example but what i heard from like a line or or dirt merchant these are like lines where you i feel like can actually just shut your brain off and let the bike do its work and play with it as much as you want and get really really creative um so i like those wider tracks those flowy flowy tracks with just some very creative features and i think if i would go with a with a trail with my dream trail i would probably go with a flow trail that is not super technical or not technical at all with some huge huge uh turns so you can really lean in that bike and some proper proper big jumps talking like like 10 plus meter gaps that'd be that'd be sweet <laughs> oh there you go yeah it was interesting i mean it was actually and that episode is going out soon is uh chris was talking a lot about building flow trails and how they make them more interesting to more advanced riders right it's with all these options and here a gap and there a little kicker and yeah here a double or a triple or a quadruple or whatever it is and it's actually really interesting, and of course, if you've been to Lenzerheide recently, they've built a lot of new, uh, a lot of new stuff and a lot of new options for for mm -hmm. different kinds or different strength levels of riders. Actually, yeah, very nice. I oh, feel like good it's input. really cool, really cool to see uh, that there are so many, so many flows. I mean, there's uh, there should be a lot of flow trails because they want a, a lot of new people trying it, right? So if you build proper downhill tracks that only pro riders can ride it doesn't really bring new people to it 
So that's also another good point with with flow trails or just like easier easier trails, right? Um, yeah, I, I just like to, like shutting my my head off a little and just letting my bike flow down the track. So that's why I'm more of the of the flow trail rider. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, very good. Well, then let's bring it back to thoughts under the helmet, fellow podcaster. Can you tell us? what uh you know after all the videos and all the other content how what what drove you to start your own podcast um it was actually just me trying to do something new as i as i said before i just want to um the, the way of staying relevant in that whole social media um place is just to try out new things and i really got into listening to podcasts when i like a few I would say like a year ago, probably um, just started to listen to more and more podcasts. And, and I was like, I really like to talk with people. I really like to just have interesting conversations. And I've been having a lot of like really deep talks with my friends and, and just people I meet up with. And I was like, wow, if like other people would, could hear this conversation right now, um, they would maybe think it's interesting or maybe, I'm not the only person that has these thoughts right now. So why not sharing them and just see what other people think about it? And that was the whole point with starting thoughts under the helmet. It's just me wanting to talk with different people, seeing what their opinions are on, on different things and just having interesting conversations, like getting to know other people and people that I also don't really know that well uh, at first. So it was just all... Um, me wanting to talk with different people and recording it actually I, I didn't really have a master plan I didn't really have anything else uh, in the back of my my head when I started it so it was just me me liking to to talk with other people yeah and how did you come to the idea of using that name <laughs> I was thinking about I was thinking about a, a name for for a while I was like what could I because because first I was just I don't know came up with really boring names like I don't know what podcast with Louis or like the Louis Eisenhut <laughs> podcast or something like that. Really, really epic <laughs> yeah and then I was thinking about like what 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 is the reason why I want to talk with people and it's about because of my thoughts and the the um, opinions I have on th certain things and um, yeah thoughts under the helmet came came along <laughs> when I when I thought about that yeah so i should say um the podcast is primarily in um swiss german mm -hmm. you do have two english podcasts one is with uh sounds like it's a friend of your wife or yeah, yeah. and then the next uh, the the second one you did in english which is a little bit of a bigger bigger deal episode nine danny mccaskill of red bull rampage uh sorry <laughs> of red bull trials and freestyle fame, YouTube fame. You guys, you guys went in pretty deep, actually. I didn't expect to hear any of that out of uh, Danny. Not like it's a big deal or anything, but uh, yeah, he's quite candid. It's quite nice and refreshing to hear a conversation of like just two normal guys having a conversation about the bike industry, actually. Mm. But um, I just so I got I got a little bit out of that conversation. And I wanted to ask specifically on the podcast, what about 
the topics or the topic of bike industry that you talked about with him that you took away and were then like kind of had in the back of your mind afterwards, like, huh, that really kind of changed my perception. And like, you know, maybe, maybe did you, did you do something with that information or that energy? Yeah. How was that for you? So one thing that comes up in my mind when I think about the Danny podcast is uh, we were talking about um, social media as well. And um, he was actually like, he thinks that it's really, it's kind of sad that he's a part uh, or a reason why so many people spend so many hours on their phone, just looking at, at his content instead of just writing themselves, you know? And I, I really thought about that because I was, I was like, I really like to entertain people. And as I said, just putting out my, my content, but I'm also a part why, or a reason why so many people probably spend a few more minutes on their phone instead of just going out and enjoying their own life, you know? And I didn't really expect to hear that from Danny, actually, because I was like, well, he has like, he made a whole living out of that and he got famous through that. So why would he think it's a bad thing to, to put out content? So that was one thing that made me think a little. And then that other conversation about um, he thinking, uh, just he being super, super safe with his writing and like making sure that everything that he does is just very... I know he doesn't really take a lot of risks. What I what I heard from his park or the podcast with him now, like he's really like calculating everything and making sure that he doesn't put, um, yeah, just his life in danger when he when he does all of those those crazy stunts, which you wouldn't believe when you when you look at the crazy things he's doing actually. But talking with him, I really saw that he's actually putting a lot of thoughts into what he does, and. Um, that was two things that made me think a lot. And then the th third th thing was maybe you, when you um, listen to the podcast, you still know that uh, we talked a while of, about him thinking that like uh, landing things on, on resi or, or airbag or no, no way it's, it's small. It doesn't count. <laughs> and he got really like, <laughs> dude, I had to look up resi. I had no clue. <laughs> Pascal, do you know what it is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that, that, that was fun <laughs> yeah I, I can uh i can understand yeah definitely after i looked up resi i figured out okay i understand it it's like and for those people who are listening that don't know it's uh basically a what is it made of it's like um not a silicone resin yeah it's a resin mat basically it's basically a rubber mat yeah and it's uh, helping you absorb like the impact and helping you stick the landing and you can kind of get away with things that you probably wouldn't if you had, were on like dirt or concrete just because of just the way the the make the, the chemical makeup of the the resin is allowing you to stick a landing let's say well, with your with your podcast you're uh, obviously occupying a, a similar interesting niche of a niche of a niche uh, that we are also living in right so we're we're an almost exclusively english-speaking podcast in switzerland with uh you know talking uh, talking about mountain biking and all of these things become smaller and smaller and smaller niches um how do you think about creating content in switzerland right so of course yes there is this uh, demand for local content so swiss german uh, French or whatever it is, but also if you think about reach and you want to reach as many people as you can, 
you want to do it in English because, um, you know, you want to, per, per, per the language, you have far more people that can potentially listen to your podcast. So how do you handle those two things? Do you just, you just want to have cool conversations or? Yeah, so with my podcast, it really depends on just the guests I have. Um, if I have Swiss German guests, I really, I want to talk Swiss German with them because then, I mean, I, I, I would say I, there are three languages I can speak good enough to make a podcast about uh, with and it's english german and swiss german and if you want to split german yeah. and swiss german i i, I would so <laughs> yeah oh for um, sure <laughs> definitely yeah um and i feel like if a person can talk in their native language or in its in hers or his native native language it makes it way just realer i guess it's just people can actually just explain themselves a little better and yeah it, it makes everything a little a little easier and uh just a little more more um entertaining at the end i guess as well so i just try to to talk with all my guests the language they prefer to speak and the language they're most comfortable to speak and with all my other content i mean on i on instagram I really switched up with uh, talking or like writing in like um, doing my captions on Instagram in, in German and English. So sometimes I made posts in English and then sometimes I made them in, uh, in, in German, uh, very rarely in Swiss German. Um, but I always like some, sometimes I would ask my community um, what they would want from me and they would always be like, surprisingly they would always say i should stay with german and swiss german because it's just not as it's just more real for them when they know a content creator puts out content in his own language and i don't know just yeah it doesn't change up his the way he talks or the language or anything just puts out who he is and what he talks you know um and that made sense for me for quite a while and I feel like I, I now switched up to English more and more just because of my wife. She's she's from America, and I mean, uh, I want her to understand understand what I what I do on social media all the time because she's not really <laughs> doesn't speak Swiss German yet or German. So uh, yeah, I changed up um, the way I write my captions, and I I think I, I'm only I only do captions on Instagram in English right now. Uh. So, uh, yeah, just also for her to understand it, actually. <laughs> yeah. Lucky lady. Oh, there you go. Um, you had recently um, on, the, on the podcast, Thoughts Under the Helmet, YouTube, a guest. She's also a Swiss mountain biker. And from what I understand, she's kind of doing kind of like I don't know her at all, but I've seen her profile. It's like mm -hmm. biggie. Biggie, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've actually been following her for quite a while since I, yeah, maybe since I arrived in Switzerland. I'm not exactly sure, but I remember because she was always doing like these switchbacks, and she's like she has like a kind of a signature like rear wheel hop, and she has it in all her videos and things. And I was like, oh wow, okay, that's new for me because where I come from, no one does this. I mean, they don't need to do that because the trails aren't that type <laughs> yeah, but uh it caught my eye so you know i started following and like it's also a good way to like see like where trails are and like kind of just kind of get myself into the culture so i was really appreciative of that but um something that came to mind um before 
in the days leading up to this recording, um, you're a bona fide um, influencer, social media personality, content creator, whatever you want to call it. But I don't see a lot from women. And I wanted to get your take on kind of like maybe you maybe you have an idea or or you've been told why that is or I don't see enough like bigger names of women social social influencing is it, is that the right term creators Let's yeah just call them creators. yeah like I just don't see it enough like why doesn't my why doesn't the algorithm give me more of that like they're just in in general there isn't enough compared to men. And also in mountain biking. Um, so we can stay I in the think, mountain biking topic yeah. if we, yeah. Uh, in mountain biking for sure. Or would you argue that I'm wrong? I think actually, so when you put it in only, if you only say about mountain, say it about mountain biking, it's actually true. I mean, there are also not as many mountain biking uh, girls out there as there is uh, boys doing it, right? So I guess that would make sense why there wouldn't be as many like influencers in the mountain bike scene. But um, I don't know. I feel like maybe a reason why there are not as many um, content, like female content creators, is just maybe they get a little more judged by just people in general. Because I don't know if there are bigger expectations or other expectations for women. Um, online and they like it's more complex know, that's definitely yeah, true that's like as a dude you just put out whatever you want and people i feel like people don't really care as much maybe mm. there's like and as soon as like a girl puts out something and then maybe she also she also like looks a certain way or like i don't know there's just way much more to it's way more complicated and mm. women get maybe a little bit more judged online if we black and white look at it, the, the majority of mountain bikers are men. Yeah. So the majority of mountain bike content um, uh, consumers are men. So I think – I don't want to try to disappoint or offend anybody here, but it could be that the landscape doesn't cater to women content creators as well as male ones. It's just a little bit of a shame because, I mean... When I talked with Biggie on the podcast about female, like women, uh, women in mountain biking and how, how she feels um, about it and if she feels, confident, uh, if she feels uh, comfortable in the whole mountain bike scene as a girl, she was like, yeah, I feel welcome. But back in like a few years ago, people just looked at us girls in mountain biking just being like, um, I mean, you can't really ride as good as a man. Like, there's no way you could even ride better than a than a man. Like, just a lot of people thinking that way. And I don't know. Maybe it just scared. It, it's it scares a lot of women maybe to put out that content because they feel or they don't want to get judged or like want to like get put down by by other other people from the community. I don't know. It's um. That Biggie also told me that the whole this whole thing is like started like started to change and she now really feels comfortable comfortable and welcomed in the whole mountain bike scene so there's definitely uh it's it's getting better for sure and um yeah i don't know it's an interesting question for sure i don't know i would say but do you think like are there other like um content creators that are 
not specifically specifically for mountain biking who are who are women or do you think like in general there's not as many as many girls doing it i think we're with the wrong demographic to judge that this uh let's put that up front i agree (laughs) but uh you know from from what we get fed by the algorithm i think i can say you know we fit the bill right so my case mid 40s uh or or, uh, bryson late 30s dude married uh family man so obviously you get fed you know very uh very many female content creators in in many different shades of clothing and um you know or lack thereof as it may be and uh but yeah so i mean in terms of uh mountain biking it's kind of it's kind of hard to see right because and you know that's obviously the perspective of having thought about this quite a bit in terms of uh you know yes we do have kids and we have the conversation about social media but kind of how these algorithms work and what they show you right that's obviously very different for every single person depending on what you follow depending on what you like depending on what you click right your feed as the name implies is made for you and it's you know tailored to you by a company that spends billions and billions of dollars to keep you on your feed Mm. so of course they're only going to show you stuff that you're more likely to like and keep scrolling right so so then it's kind of hard to say if what we see is really what the reality is i know that's very inception but yeah um (laughs) but yeah so it's, it's kind of hard to see right because in in other um disciplines of cycling right so if you take road cycling and and they're you know it's it's very i'm not saying it's equally distributed but there is a a decent share of female content creators and that uh, that also is is visible and has platforms and have and, and you know have visibility and all that so yeah i feel like it definitely depends on on the content consumer and what the algorithm does with it i mean there are for sure a lot of other people that uh, get uh, a lot of female content creators on their feet. Uh, Bryson, is there anything else or should we start wrapping it up? Before we cap off, I have two funny questions. <laughs> One is, who is the enraged boss? Oh, sorry. There was a sequel to your Late for Work featuring <laughs> yeah. featuring your father, right? So yeah. you, got, you hooked up to his uh, paragliding rig and he shuttled you down the hill epic yeah. epic shot so really well epic. worth the viral vid um check it out on the louis eisenhut uh youtube channel if you haven't seen it late for work volume two um but who is the enraged boss at the end <laughs> the guy the guy deserves an uh, an emmy <laughs> yeah yeah he, he, was, he was so good actually we didn't know who we wanted to have for that um because we knew we would need someone to um, be that, be the boss in that in that scene. But until we entered the office where we filmed the whole scene, we didn't really know who was going to do it. And the whole um, office scene was shot in a, in my actual office where I worked. I worked as a dispatcher in a uh, for a for the local railway com- railway company in uh, Interlaken, and. Um, the office we have there's always someone there like 24 7 so we had to make sure that we would go there when it was 
like quiet enough and like empty enough. So we, I hit up one of my colleagues from work being like, oh, I see you have night shift that time, uh, that day. Um, can we just stop by in the middle of the night and film that scene? So at like 11 p.m., let's make it midnight maybe, we stopped by and uh, we're setting everything up and we were like, hmm, maybe my coworker who was on the night shift that night could do it. But um, he didn't really want to. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, you have to do, he had to do a little bit of acting, right? Yeah. And then it was actually my friend, Andoni, shout out, uh, Andoni Lopez. He's uh, he's actually a photographer, like uh, a really, really, really good photographer. He's doing it for many, many years now. And we've actually done a lot of uh, different photo shoots together. Uh, and he stepped in. He was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like, and then he, he, was the, he was that boss. So shout out, yeah. Andoni. He definitely, he definitely deserves like a, yeah, like a prize for that. That was a good one. And, and that was I, I think I never laughed as so hard at when we were sh like shooting one, one of those, uh, one of those scenes or like a scene like that. That was insane. Yeah. Really, really fun night. <laughs> like you have to Second. imagine we were, we were, we were in that office shoot, like shooting that scene for maybe one or two hours so by the end when we were filming that scene with him coming into the office and just raging it was like 2 a.m and we were already like filming the whole day so we already had like a 10 12 hour film day behind us and we were just all so tired and everything we did was just super funny like it wasn't even and then he was acting that well and uh, it was just yeah it was just great <laughs> A really a very good time <laughs> love it yeah we have we have three famous questions that we haven't asked in a very long time okay let's go shall we do them of course I'm ready all right three famous closeout questions so number one is tell us about the first bike that got you really stoked about riding the first bike that got me stoked about riding was my actual first fully i had so remember when I told you that I was in volleys with my dad, I had like a hardtail bike, just a very shitty one. And then he got me, I think a few weeks later, he got me that Kona stinky 24 inch wheels. Stinky bike. JR. I mean, stinky vibes are strong. Holy moly. That was a good one. <laughs> Fun fact. You're not, you're not supposed to call it stinky junior. You're supposed to call it stinky JR. Really? That's what it said in the, in the catalog. Yeah. It's a JR, you know, not junior. What what is what does it stand for if it's not junior? junior. Yes. Well, I think they just throw that in the catalog to have fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, Kona Stinky, that was awesome. I did my first proper jumps, like cleared my first tables, uh, table jumps with that bike. And I rode it for actually way too long. Like I think I rode it for four years, and by the end of of that time. I was just way too tall for the bike. Like I was way, way, I, I was breaking every single ride because I, I got too heavy to ride it actually. But I just wouldn't let it like. Just too stoked well, to like, stop. I just wanted, yeah, it That's was just a great too bike. stoked to ride it, you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Very good. Second question. Imagine yourself as a bike magician. And you have a magic dropper post, and with that dropper post, you can make mountain biking more awesome for anyone. What would you do? 
Okay, so you know that feeling you get when you like hit something for the very first time and just the stokeness you feel or like when you like overcome your fear and like or you just had like a fantastic bike day, like you're just super, super stoked. And I wish I, I would like make it with that magic dropper post that everyone could have that amazing feeling after every single ride. Maybe that would so you're ultimate stoked after every single ride. It's like the feeling you get when you like you didn't realize what you're riding and then all of a sudden you like stick the landing and you're like, Whoa, that was sick. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Or like landing a trick you've been trying for so many so okay. so much so many times, you know, like it just Okay. Stoke all feeling. over. Yeah, all yeah. over like stokeness for everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um I commend that answer. Question number three will be in your heart of hearts, please tell us about the perfect skid. Okay. So you know those like Brandon Seminox skids he does, like where he like pops up his back wheel and then skids on his actual like real wheel over like a like a bump or something. Like just a lot like on the side of it. Yeah. Oh, that that that's like the perfect skid. Like you you do it oh, on your back nice. wheel, like sideways, just on the edge of like a like a bump or something. Nice. Yeah, we can get on board with that. Yeah, a Brandon seven up skid is a perfect skid. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, and with that, we close it out. We say thank you. Thank this you, guys. This was really interesting and really really entertaining. Um, of course. We have to say, where can people find you if they don't know about Louis Eisenhut? Um, yeah, guys, just uh, I'm on YouTube, Louis Eisenhut on YouTube. Huh? Thoughts on the helmet. Check out my podcast <laughs> and uh, Louis underscore Eisenhut on Instagram. That's it. Well, we'll put all of those things into the description of this episode so people can find it. And thanks again. And we hope to see you out on the trail soon. Yeah, gonna be awesome. See you on the rails. Will be fun. <laughs> Ciao, Louis. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Why don't you let us know what you think? We really like to hear from our listeners. To find out how to get in touch with us, follow the links to our website in the description or find us on Instagram under at Skits and Giggles. Until next time, Skigglers. <laughs>